What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you go drop a follow on Ethos Fantasy BB. That is where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted this year on Twitter. It's going to be a bunch of different things throughout the year. Podcasts, articles, different notes that go out right onto Twitter. And I do want to just quickly talk about something we have planned here and how it's kind of factored into my planning here for the rest of the offseason. So I had talked about last week my catcher rankings. We did it on Friday. We're going to continue with them today. Now, I didn't put them up on the website. They are available in the podcast form. You can look in the notes, and you can see the 1 through 15. And today we're going to talk about 16 through 30, and those players will be listed in the show notes as well, and we'll talk about them. But I'm not going to put them up on the website just yet because we've been talking here behind the scenes a little bit at Sports Ethos. And we're actually, and I think I mentioned this last week, but it's fully confirmed now, we're going to be putting together a draft guide. And I have talked about these rankings and how I'm not going to you know, put them, they're not going to be paywalled or anything like that for the whole offseason. And that's still going to be the case. The rankings are going to be there for free, but they are going to be a part of the draft guide. And I'm still figuring out how that's going to work. I didn't want to post them up on the website and then have them posted again as part of our draft guide. So that's going to be something that comes out over the next month or so. We're going to be releasing them. Now, the rankings are going to be available before then because I'm going to do podcasts talking about them. They're just not going to be in written form. It'll be in vocal form here on the podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, that's already how you consume my content. Now, you might be somebody who follows me on Twitter and reads the stuff I write on sportsethos.com. I really appreciate that. All the support is more than welcome. But we're not going to be putting those rankings up on the website just yet. And I know I talked about it. My apologies. Uh, but we are going to talk about them in depth more so today as well as what we did on Friday. So if you guys missed the Friday show, I went through 1 through 15, my top 15 catchers for the upcoming fantasy baseball season. We're going to continue with that today. And we're going to do that for every single position. Now, I think there will be certain positions that go deeper than 50. Outfield will go deeper than 50. Starting pitcher will go deeper than fifth or deeper than 30. Sorry, they'll probably go to at least at least 50. Like outfielders, I think we're going to do 50. Starting pitchers, I might even end up doing 100. We'll see. But it's going to vary because, I mean, you can't do 100 catchers. You, do, you just simply can't go 100 catchers deep. It's hard to even go 30 catchers deep. And you'll see by the end of this podcast, the last couple of guys, it was pretty hard for me to pick, especially number 30. It was, it was rather hard to go through that because it really does thin out. But there are certain positions that go a lot deeper. We're going to go through rankings for every single position. And they will be a part of the draft guide. Now, there will be parts of it that are going to be paywalled. We're going to figure out how that's going to work exactly. It would work so that if you're already a Sports Ethos member, if you're somebody who already has a fantasy pass for, for basketball, for football, it'll be included with that for this season. So if you're somebody who's already got that, then you won't have to do anything extra. Now, I'm still figuring out all the behind-the-scenes work. There will be some free parts of it. There will be some paywalled parts of it. But even the paywalled parts we're going to talk about here on the podcast a little bit because it's more... You know, it's a smaller audience to the podcast. If you're listening to this, then you should be rewarded with some certain details here and there that you wouldn't just get if you're, you know, clicking on a random link on Twitter. You guys get a little bit of extra stuff here because you are podcast listeners, of course. So we're going to talk about these rankings 16 through 30 for my catchers. <clears throat> it was a very difficult exercise ranking catchers as a whole. And, you know, I'm somebody I've talked about this on the show as well. I've grown up loving lists. I make lists. I don't really do it as much anymore for fun, but as I was a kid, I would, you know, my 10 favorite movies, 10 favorite TV shows, favorite actors, favorite athletes, best this, best that, best whatever. I would do tons of things like that, and it's really reminded me of why I like them. At the same time, it reminded me of why they are kind of stressful 
Now, before as a kid doing them, you know, just you know, writing a bunch of papers out in my room, they're not going anywhere. No one's seeing them. <clears throat> now there are some of you who are going to look at these rankings and actually use them. So I actually put a lot more time into these than I would have put into you know writing out my ten favorite movies as a kid. But the same the same concepts are there. Ranking who is better than who else, and it's it's obviously very different. We're looking at projections. We're looking at previous years' stats. We're looking at a ton of different factors. Whereas with you know lists I've done in the past, it's it's more bullshit really, just for my own fun. Here, we're going to talk about more of these catchers, and we're going to start off with number 16. Maybe I'll just go quickly through, just remind you guys of 1 through 15. Real Mudo, Varsho, Will Smith, Alejandro Kirk, Adley Rutschman, Sal Perez, Wilson Contreras, MJ Melendez, Tyler Stevenson, Sean Murphy at 10, and then William Contreras, Danny Jansen, Yasmani Grandal, Cal Raleigh, and Kybert Ruiz. Those are my top 15 catchers heading into the year. Now, there will still be potentially some moving around here, and that's another reason why I wasn't in such a rush to put these in print form on the website because there will be some tinkering with these that go on probably over the next couple of months. You know, you see a guy has a really hot spring, there's an injury, there's whatever, and they're going to be tinkered with a little bit. But let's keep it going here. Enough of my preambles. We're going to talk about Eric Haas. He is the first guy that I have in my bottom half of the top 15. Horrible, horrible phrasing. That's, that's not how I should phrase things. He is the 16th ranked catcher on my list, Eric Haas. Now, I've looked at projections a little bit. I've looked at ADP. I've tried to avoid ADP when I'm making the list because I don't want to be influenced by it so much. My list is fairly similar with ADP. Now, Eric Haas, and we're looking at December forward because I didn't want to look at all drafts because things changed, information changes throughout the year. We're looking at draft champions from the start of December until now, and there have been 20 of them. Um, in terms of Eric Haas, he's going as the 21st catcher off the board. Now, I think he is better than that. I think that what we've seen from him throughout his career, and granted not a large sample size, but over these last couple of seasons, we've seen a lot of power from Eric Haas, and something that, you know, something that he doesn't have anymore is that outfield eligibility, which is... Something that was really sweet over these last couple of years when you were drafting him, when you were picking him up as a streamer or whatever. You can put him in the outfield. You can have him as your catcher. Next season, he will not have catcher eligibility. I'm not sure. He played 11 times in the outfield. So depending on your format, he might actually. If you're playing on Yahoo, I think he still will. If you're playing in the NFBC, then he is just going to be a catcher heading into next season. Regardless of that, though, he is a very powerful catcher who doesn't kill you in the batting average these last couple of years like some other catchers do. Specifically this last year, 254. Very good batting average. The year before, 231. We've seen the power potential with him, 22 homers in 2021. He had 14 this past season. Now, they're projecting him for just 75 games on Steamer, 12 homers, 36 ribbies, and a 226 batting average. That feels kind of light to me. I think he is going to be their everyday catcher uh, in Detroit. Now, I don't think he's going to hit terribly high in the lineup but fifth or sixth I think is reasonable it's not a great lineup around him but I don't really see why he'd be projected for such a small number of games I don't believe there's currently any injury problems with him uh, I think that he should be somebody who can play closer to 100 ish games for you now I'm not a huge fan of Eric Haas <clears throat> I think he's pretty good but like we said off the top here you're looking at catchers and once you get past those top really the top like 12 or so 13 like I guess 15 you could say but it really starts to thin out Eric Haas is one of the last guys that I'd be fairly comfortable with and honestly I don't even think I'd be comfortable with him in a one catcher league as my as my starting catcher I, I don't think I could do that in a two catcher format I'd absolutely be very happy to take Eric Haas you know you get one of the more stud like catchers earlier on your Real Mudo your Varsho 
or anybody down to really Danny Jansen. <clears throat> and, you know, it, you could even make the argument Grandall, Cal Raleigh, and those guys. If you get one of those guys and pair them with, with Kybert Ruiz, I think that you're, you're going to be pretty – or not Kybert Ruiz, with Eric Haas, I think you're going to be pretty happy with yourself. Now, if you're getting Eric Haas as your first catcher and then you're trying to fill in one of those, you know, one of those late, late going catchers, I, I don't think that that makes a lot of sense. It's a tough position. I would rather secure it earlier on if I can – not necessarily jumping up the board to take these players ahead of ADP, but where he's going, <clears throat> roughly around pick 300, I think that that is generally pretty correct in terms of what you can expect from Eric Haas. Now, I do want to issue a, an apology here because <clears throat> I'm still a little bit sick. I've been sick in and out for a while. I've had a cough that I can't really shake, so there will be the odd cough here and there. <clears throat> I say that as I, as I cough here. So my, my apologies there. I'm not so great with editing where I can go through and, and edit out specific coughs like that without ruining the entire audio of the show. So my apologies there. I'll lean away if I, if I feel a little tickle in my throat because I'm still feeling a little bit under the weather. But Eric Haas, overall, I think that he is a pretty solid catcher. We should get 100-ish, 110 games out of him. 20 home run potential. He's not going to murder you in the batting average category like some catchers will. He's going to probably be in that 230 to 250 range, which is not great, but for catchers, it, it's pretty solid. Overall, I think he's fine here, and I think he should be a little bit higher ranked in terms of actual catchers. In terms of ADP, I think it's fine taking him somewhere around pick 300, but I think that he is definitely better than the 21st catcher. Let's keep it going here. Travis Darno. He's a tough one, man. Travis Darno is a tough one to rank. A couple of reasons. He's getting a little bit older. There's that, and there's also the fact that Sean Murphy is now in Atlanta. So is he going to be platooning? Is he going to play... You know, is he going to DH sometimes? Like, well, I don't even know what the role is going to be for Travis Darno. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets traded and starts the season on a different team as well. Now, according to what they've got currently here on roster resource, he is on the bench. Is there are there times where he's going to catch? Absolutely. Is there times where he's going to DH? Absolutely. But <clears throat> I've moved him a little bit down farther than I would have had him a few weeks ago just because of the fact that Sean Murphy came into town. He would have been a top 15 catcher for me. He's now at 17. By ADP, he is still the 15th catcher. But I think that overall, <clears throat> we have to keep our expectations fairly low for Travis Darno. I mean, when he's out there, he is a very solid catcher. He hits for a good batting average. He's not, like, incredibly powerful, but he can hit you some home runs. You know, he's, he's a pretty solid catcher. If he has an everyday role, if he gets traded somewhere where they need a catcher, then I'll move him up a little bit. I'll move him up a couple spots because I think the playing time is the big concern here for me with Travis Darno. He's never been a catcher who's going to play a lot of games anyway. His highest career plate appearances ever came this past season at 426. It's not a lot. He played 107 games, and that's typically been like best-case scenario for him. His, his career highs in games, 108, 112, 103, 107. I don't know that we can expect anything more like a hundred. If he's playing in Atlanta, he's not even going to play a hundred games. Most likely like steamer hasn't projected for 99. It's, I don't even know if he's going to get there just because of Sean Murphy. He's going to play a lot. Sean Murphy last year played like 148 games. And I know he's the agent for some of those games, but he's going to still get his at bats. And that's been a huge topic with Sean Murphy. Are the plate appearances going to go down? Is he still going to be worth it? Yes, he is. <clears throat> his plate appearances are going to go down a little bit. And, and Darno will, you know, still get some play, but overall, it's not a good it's not a good play for Travis Darno if he's still in Atlanta. He's definitely not somebody that I'd be happy to draft at this point, considering his price. And I did draft him in Arizona before we knew anything about what was going to happen with Murphy. Before there was any trades or whatever, I drafted my two catchers in the Arizona draft champions that we did. 
Carson Kelly and Travis Darno. I've mentioned this before on the on the pod. I'm gonna have to really hammer a couple of later round catchers and hope for the best because I I did not I did not do that one well. I thought that that would be fine, but both of those guys have now been essentially replaced this offseason. Looking like shit, honestly, that catcher situation for that team. But Travis Darno, it's it's a tricky one because I I want to rank him higher, but I just don't think we're gonna see enough plate appearances for him to actually get those stats that we're hoping for. Like this past season, he was he was fantastic for you. 18 homers, 61 runs, 60 ribbies, a 268 batting average. That's fantastic. That's about as much as you could possibly hope for from your catcher, considering he played 107 games and he's 33 years old, about to be 34 years old. I'm not I'm not in on the price. <clears throat> if he falls down a little bit in drafts, and I think he has overall, like he's going at 211 right now. If I reset it to all draft champions, then he is 201. So he's fallen a little bit over the last you know, month or so, however long it's been since that trade happened, probably not a full month, but he has fallen down a little bit. If he continues to fall, if he goes into the, if he goes into the 250 kind of range, then I think that you're a little bit more comfortable, you know, a couple of rounds later, but assuming he's going to be platooning slash backup catching in Atlanta, this is as high as I feel comfortable ranking him at number 17. Next up, we got Logan O'Hoppy. Now, I still don't really know exactly what to think about Logan O'Hoppy. I've heard such incredible things about him and the way that he he is in the minor leagues. And his, his stats are, are incredible. And p- part of it is talking with Tim McLeod in Arizona. Tim McLeod was an O'Hoppy guy. Uh, he's also a big fan of Bo Naylor, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But in terms of O'Hoppy, he should be the starting catcher here for the Angels. I think he'll probably bat somewhere in the lower half of the lineup, which is what they're projecting here on roster resource. I think that overall he could be an incredible catcher. Like he could be an Alejandro Kirk style catcher where he's hitting for a high batting average. He's giving you some home runs, decent counting stats. He can actually steal some bases too. Like he could be Alejandro Kirk with stolen bases. I think it's totally possible. When you look at the walk rates throughout his career in the minor leagues, you know, always up close to 10%, 8, 8.7. Uh, when he was in Double A in 2022, this was only 29 games, but he walked 22% of the time, and then he struck out 16% of the time. Now, once he came, to, or sorry, that was when he was with the Angels in the Philadelphia minor league system. Before that, 13% walk rate, 16% strikeout rate, which is still very good. <clears throat> and once he got traded to the Angels, like he was fantastic. Over his two, I mean, it was the. It's kind of confusing when you look at it because it's still the same year. It's just different teams and it's split up into different parts here on Fangraphs. But over his 104 games that he played, he had 26 homers. He drove in 72, or sorry, he scored 72. He drove in 78 and he stole seven bases to go along with that kind of walk rate, high batting average. He hit over 300 or close to 300 in the minors, over 300 with the Angels and 275 when he was still with Philadelphia. He's somebody that could break out. He could really go for an incredible season this year. And I'm I'm still kind of cautious because we haven't seen much at the major league level, five games out of him. Now, in those five games, 12.5% walk rate, 18% strikeout rate, 286 batting average, but it's too small of a sample size to really work with. You've got to look at what he did in the minors, try and project it out over a full major league season. And according to Steamer, they're expecting 12 homers, 37 ribbies, 35 runs, and a 246 batting average. Now, I think they're fairly conservative in their games played projection here at 70, what is it, 74? I think he's going to play more than 74 games just because I think the Angels, they're not, I'm, who, I don't even know who their backup catcher is, honestly, right now. Let me take a look because I can't remember who they've got slotted. Oh, yeah, it's Max Stassi. I didn't even realize he was still there. 
maybe he's going to play a little bit, but I don't know why they would really bother with him. He's somebody who was, you know, he batted 180 last year. If I were them, I'm going to put out Ohapi as my starting everyday catcher. Stassi will play once or twice a week. But Ohapi should get the majority of the playing time. And I think that, you know, as the 18th ranked catcher, I think that that's fairly reasonable. I want to put him up higher because he could potentially be a lot better than that over time. But for right now, before we really know what he is at the major league level, I think that 18 makes a lot of sense. He is 19 in terms of ADP, and that's, of course, since December. Moved him up one spot. I actually flipped him around with the guy who was in 18th, and that's Gabriel Moreno. Now, I love Gabriel Moreno. I have been known to be a Toronto homer here and there in the past. I, I thought Gabriel Moreno was going to be a star for the Blue Jays. I really thought that he was going to be the one of the guys that they kept. Like I honestly thought Danny Jansen would be moved on from and that Moreno would probably at some point you know, be a part-time catcher and then part-time infielder because his body type, <clears throat> he's not like an Alejandro Kirk type where he's, you know, he's going to be a catcher his whole career. Moreno is fairly trim. He's 5'11", 195 pounds. He can play the outfield. He can play defense. I mean, he can play the field, not necessarily the outfield. He played left field once this year, third base once, second base once, catcher uh, 19 times for the Blue Jays. Now, what he did once he was called up, and there were some people saying he was disappointing because he didn't really have much power. <clears throat> he walked 5.5% of the time, which is, which is fairly low, but he struck out only 11% of the time, batted 319, like, he was really good, even in a small sample size. The Jays were just too crowded with catcher. They had no room for him. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I really do apologize about the coughing. I'm still really, really feeling a bit under the weather. And I, <clears throat> you know, if I didn't do a podcast every single day, if there wasn't, you know, that kind of pressure on me to do one every day and keep the streak, then I might have taken the day off just because of how I'm feeling. But we're going we're gonna, to we're try, try and get through it here. So apologies again. Gabriel Moreno, though, he's somebody who was ranked as the number one prospect by Baseball America at times this year. I think right now he's three, number three prospect, or if he's, I don't think he's graduated yet, just 73 plate appearances. He's still somebody who we don't know how good he can be. People have, you know, taken him down a notch in fantasy rankings because he doesn't hit home runs. I think that's pretty much the only thing. <clears throat> like, and even in the minors, we saw him at times hit, you know, eight, 12 home runs. He's not somebody where he's going to give you a zero. Like He can definitely be a 10 or a 12 home run guy, giving you solid counting stats, stealing a few bases, and hitting over 300. Like Honestly, he's another guy where if I knew for sure he was going to be playing every single day, if I knew that you know Carson Kelly wasn't going to be part of the equation, then I would probably move him up a little bit higher even. like I debated last week when I was talking about you know that 15th spot, I, there's part of me that wants to put him there. Like, there's part of me that thinks he is better than Haas and Darno and Ohapi. I just think that overall, when you look at the skill set and opportunity, I have to put him a little bit below there just because I'm not really sure what Arizona's going to do with him. Maybe they run out Carson Kelly and Moreno plays twice a week, and then we're kind of screwed for fantasy purposes. I don't expect it, but it's definitely possible. So that's why he's at number 19. He's at 18 by ADP and draft champions. I think that, you know, that flip-flop there, for me, I just feel a little bit more comfortable with Ohapi considering what he did in the minor leagues, the power he showed to go along with the good average already. Now let's keep it going with Jonah Heim. He is who I have at number 20. Now I have him a bit lower than the ADP number. He is 16 by ADP. I just don't really feel that confident in him, even though I <clears throat> there's certain things in his game that I really like. Like he doesn't strike out that much for a catcher. Usually catchers, especially ones who hit for pretty decent power, are going to be striking out quite a bit. Uh, in terms of Jonah Himes' numbers and fan graphs, it's just give me some grief here. But I believe, I looked at it just before the show, I believe he's striking out less than 20% of the time. 
let me just see. Um, 19.3% of the time this year. It was 20% last season. Another thing to like is his walk rate went from 5.3% up to 9.1%. The batting average went up, and again, it didn't go up to anything really great. It was 196 up to 227. Still an improvement. He still got better from the year prior. I, I like him fine. I just think that he's maybe being pushed up a little bit too high in drafts based on you know the fact that he had 16 home runs. He stole a couple of bases. I think that you can pretty comfortably have him where I have him here. And, I mean, of course, I think that because they're my rankings. <clears throat> but Jonah Heim is not somebody where I would be expecting him to do that much better than a Moreno or an Ohapi if all things are equal and playing time is equal. And that's kind of where I'm coming from here. I would expect over the course of the year, Ohapi and Moreno to get more playing time. With Heim, I think he's in more of a secure role, but I think the ceiling is much lower in general. Home runs are higher. The home run ceiling is higher with him than with Moreno. Everything else, I'm taking Moreno. Like, you know, the lineups are, are pretty much a wash there between Texas and, and the Diamondbacks. I think a lot of people would probably take Texas's lineup, but I really like what Arizona's doing. If Moreno gets in there, there's a chance that he could hit somewhere in the middle of the, of the order. Ideally, I'd like to see him hit at the top of the order. I don't expect it. With Haim, he's going to be somewhere close to the bottom of the order, I would imagine. Like, let me see roster resource here. They have him. Uh, he's actually slotted into the fifth slot. Maybe he does hit fifth, fifth or sixth. I just don't feel as confident looking at his numbers, especially with the very low batting average, that he's going to be able to do quite what he did last year. He did improve. He did get better. Like, he's walking more, but he's still essentially just a home run guy. Like, those, those runs and RBIs are, are good, combining for just about 100. But for me, like, that's, that's fairly replaceable production in terms of, like, just RBIs and runs. When you're looking at a catcher, it's, it's okay. It's pretty good, but it's something that you, you can find on waiver wires. You know, the home runs, the high batting average, the steals out of the catcher slot, those are different. In terms of the counting stats, it, it, they're, they're fairly replaceable. His home runs at 16 are good, but let's say that he hits 12 next year or 11. Like, that, that's totally possible. He's not like a massive power guy. You know, he's, I'm just not excited. I, I, overall, I think you probably hear it from my voice. I'm just not excited about Jonah Heim, about drafting him for next season. I think that he's probably okay in terms of his price at 244, but I wouldn't be, you know, I'd much rather take Moreno or Ohapi or Yasmani Grandal or Eric Haas, who are going below him. Personally, I think that he might be going a little bit too high. And that is, that's generally it. Like, I think that he's still going to be fine, but at the same time, I'll take 19 catchers ahead of him for next season. It's tricky. Rankings are tricky because you got to look at projections. You got to use your own gut. You got to look at what these guys have done over previous years. At the end of the day, we know nothing, right? At the end of the day, you might have seen it if you're on Twitter a lot these last few days in terms of pitcher rankings. Everybody's been putting out their pitcher rankings. A lot of smart people, very smart people have done it. When we've seen it throughout the offseason. Nick Pollock did it. Ryan Bloomfield did it the other day. Matt Williams did it this morning. Michael Simeone's done it. These are all very smart people, all with very different rankings. You know, typically you're going to see the same couple names at the top, but you know, there's some people who have Rodon outside of the top ten. You know, some people who have Rodon in the top I think Paul Spohr might have him third. Like there is a lot of variance in terms of rankings. I have Rodon fifth, by the way. We'll talk about pitcher rankings another time. But I just, it's very difficult. So with, with Haim and with everybody in general, I'm giving my best 
guess based on all the information that we have and my gut feelings as to where they're going to end up at the end of the season. Not who's going to look hot through April, who's going to start off. Because, you know, through April, decent chance that Haim outperforms both Moreno and Ohapi as they continue to get their feet wet in the bigs. But over the course of the whole season, uh, give me the two young guys over Haim. Now let's keep it going here. We're going to talk about the next guy on the list. He's kind of hard to figure out as well, this guy, Christian Betancourt. I like him. I like him a lot. He's a catcher who can steal bases, and that pretty much right there is enough for a lot of people to take the catcher. If you can steal any bases for me, if you can do if you can do anything, you know, <laughs> you're you're a viable catcher pretty much in most years. And even this year with Christian Betancourt, uh, even though the catcher is a little bit deeper, he's still somebody where I'd be fairly happy to take him. Not as my first catcher, but as the second catcher, I'd be pretty happy with it. You know. He was with Oakland, and he was with Tampa Bay last year. He was very solid. 11 home runs, 39 runs scored, 34 driven in, 5 stolen bases, and a two fifty two batting average. That's really damn good, over 101 games. Now, he's somebody where we don't have a huge sample size in Major League Baseball, and what we do have from him is from many years ago. But he's gotten a lot better. You know, His power's improved, his speed has improved, and his plate discipline has improved as well, even though the walks are still, you know, not great. He's still walking what he did back in the day, 3, 4, 5% of the time, 3.6% last year. But he still hits for a pretty decent batting average. Everything else is good. You know, like I said a second ago, with catchers, realistically, you're looking for home runs, steals, and batting average, if you can. Runs and RBIs are still important, but they don't factor in quite as much for me in terms of catchers. Battencourt can give you double-digit home runs. There is an outside chance of double-digit steals, and he's not going to kill you in the batting average column. My hesitance with him is that, you know, we don't have that big sample size. He was in the bigs from 2013 to 2017, a few cups of coffee with Atlanta and San Diego, and then he was in Korea. And then I'm not even sure what he was doing in those other years. I think he was mostly in Korea, not playing, injured. But no no major league data to look at for like five years. And then he comes back and he's really, really good. I just have trouble, you know, really knowing what to expect out of somebody when you don't have a huge sample size, which is why it's very hard to rank rookies and guys who don't have a lot of experience. In terms of Betancourt, I, I like him, and I like him better than you would find in, uh, based on ADP. He's 24th based on ADP. I have him at 21. I think he's a little bit better than that. Overall, I'm pretty happy to take him, but, I mean, I think the price is is the main thing for me. To, I mean, not the main thing, but also very pretty important thing for me there is that he's going at 338. He's going quite a bit below these other catchers that we've talked about, and he's going below some catchers who we haven't talked about yet who it, it's it's kind of puzzling as to why it's going this way. I like him. I, I like him. I just don't know exactly what to expect from him. I guess another thing that's going in his favor is that he has first base eligibility as well, and I, I think with catcher, eligibility is more important than the average position. Like in terms of ca- catchers with multi-position eligibility, he is the third one going off the board behind Dalton Varsho and MJ Melendez. And there's not that many catchers who do have another position. You go down the board, P.J. Higgins is eligible at first, and that's it. That's literally four catchers who have a second position. So that might make you want to move him up a little bit in your rankings. For me, I moved him up a touch from 24 in ADP to 21. I think that that's you know, in that general range is what you can expect from him. Somewhere around the 20th catcher in terms of where he's going to finish this year. And, you know, if he outperformed that, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. If he plays a whole year and he's giving you, you know, somewhere in the middle of that lineup in Tampa, giving you 15 home runs, let's call it eight steals, you know, combined for 120 runs plus RBIs and a two fifty average, then he'd be a top 10 catcher. I'm just, I'm just really not 100% sure about how to project him just because, like I said, 
We haven't seen that much of him. So we're going to move on. <clears throat> Christian Betancourt at number 21, <clears throat> followed by Gary Sanchez at number 22. Now, Gary has not yet signed, which does make it a little bit difficult to figure out where to rank him exactly. He's 25th based on ADP. Uh, I don't love Gary Sanchez, and I got I to gotta say that off the top here. I think that he is he's fine. He's definitely worse than he once was in the big league level. There was a time when he was a 20-plus, 30-plus home run hitter. This past season, he played the most games he'd ever played, close to the most at-bats he'd ever had, or close to the most plate appearance he's ever had within 50. He had 16 home runs, 42 runs scored, 61 RBIs, and he batted 205. Now, he's going to sign somewhere, I would assume, and get regular playing time. And that is what this ranking is based off of. If he signs somewhere and he is a backup catcher somewhere, then he gets moved down. He's out of the top 30 most likely. But he still has that high power potential, and it's something that, you know, I I don't love taking somebody just for one category, and that's essentially what you're doing with Gary. But, you know, you do get some counting stats along with, you know, probably 15 to 20 home run range is what you could probably expect from him. Uh, maybe a little bit less, maybe, you know, 12 to 18 kind of range. But overall, once you get into this point of catchers, there's not a lot left. There is not a lot left to be excited about. There are some, you know, the guys we're going to talk about right after him, nobody really excites me very much. All of them are are just okay. And even Gary Sanchez is not great. But at least with him, you know you're getting double-digit home runs. Assuming he's a starter, you know you're getting that. You know you're getting something. Where with some of the guys we'll talk about below, it's, it might not be quite as great, but Gary Sanchez still, I don't know, which is, which is, you know, it's a, it's a lot of players in these rankings, which is part of the trouble with doing early rankings is we still don't know a lot about what's going to happen. And these will be updated, I think in March or so before the season, if he gets signed by a team and he is their backup catcher, then he's, he's probably gone from the top 30 or maybe 30th. If he signs somewhere and he is a starting catcher, then he's going to be right about where I have him here. That's what I'm expecting based on you know the way the catcher works, based on the way that Major League Baseball works, a guy like him is probably going to get a starting job. Even though he's not great, he's better defensively than he is offensively, I think that he'll probably probably land somewhere and have a starting role. Now, if he doesn't, of course, we adjust. But these are this rank is assuming that he will be catching 100 or so games this year, 110 maybe <clears throat> if he's a starter. It's it's a very tricky situation to rank somebody who hasn't signed, but as of right now, I think 22 makes a lot of sense for him. Number 23, and we got a fairly big deviation here for me in terms of ADP. Christian Vasquez, he's at 17 based on ADP, but I just can't really get behind Christian Vasquez anymore. I don't think that we can really expect much from him. We saw the stolen bases go away from him this year almost entirely. Somebody who has been, and that was one of the main reasons why you liked Christian Vasquez for fantasy. As a catcher who steals bases, like we said earlier, it's one of those big categories. Stolen bases, batting average, home runs for catcher, they're huge. He's somebody who in the past, I mean, granted it was 2019, he had a lot of home runs in 2019. Honestly, I probably shouldn't even mention it because it was the juice ball, but he had 23 home runs in the years since, the years prior. He never did that, but he hit 23 home runs that year. He's always been a pretty high batting average guy, and considering the way that catchers usually have such a horrible batting average, he could be considered a plus batting average guy as a 260 career hitter. The steals are what concern me because that's, I think, a big reason why people are even taking him this high inside the top 20 catchers, inside the top 250 picks, is because they're thinking he's going to get some steals for them. He had one steal this past year. 
maybe he's not going to steal much more going forward. As a catcher, it's very tough on you to steal bases. Your knees are you're, you're bent down on your knees. You're in a crouch position for several hours throughout the course of every single night. It's not easy on your knees. You're not going to want to steal as many bases, especially as you get older, as you get into your 30s. Christian Vasquez here, now 32 years old. I don't know that we're going to see those stolen bases just magically jump back up to five, seven, eight, the numbers he's had in the past. If he gets, you know, two or three, I think that you could probably expect that. Steamer hasn't projected at four. Maybe he does. And at that point, you'll, you'll take if he gets four. <clears throat> but I think for the most part, you have to look at Christian Vasquez as somebody who is going to be overdrafted because of previous play as opposed to what we can expect in the future. Not a big power guy. The counting stats are not going to be that great. It's really the batting average that's the one thing that's left as an asset for Christian Vasquez. And at that point, give me somebody who's going to give me a few more categories or at least the potential for more production in other categories as opposed to Vasquez. I think where I have him ranked here at 23 is very, very generous considering his his skill set at this point. Could he hit 285 like he did in 2020? He could. Maybe he goes to like a 250 hitter. Like in 2021, he was 258, and that's still a positive for catchers, but it's not that great. It's, you know, especially considering he's not giving you much of anything else. <clears throat> this is why I have him ranked where I do. I, I don't think he's bad. I think he's a serviceable second catcher. I think he's somebody where if you're in a one-catcher format, he's not, not nobody to worry about. If you're playing in a 12-team league with one catcher, forget about Christian Vasquez. You're probably not even listening to this podcast anymore if you play in mostly 12-team one-catcher leagues because by the time we're into 20 catchers, it doesn't matter. With Christian Vasquez, he is a second catcher in a DC. He is a, you know, you'll, you'll take him in any two-catcher format, really. But he's not somebody I'd be too excited about. I would expect the production to keep falling off a little bit. I mean, granted, he hit his second highest home run total this year, but he also did spend some time in Houston. Uh, I'm not even sure what the splits were actually once he got to Houston. Let me just take a look because that is something to consider. He hit a home run the last game of the season with Houston. He hit So he was traded about the trade deadline, and he hit just one home run actually in Houston. So that's not really a factor there, I guess. <clears throat> He's going to Minnesota. Maybe he's maybe he's going to have some value. Maybe he doesn't. For the most part, though, I'd be avoiding him. If you can, you know, maybe he's your third catcher, and I, I don't know if you'd get to that point because he's still going fairly high up in drafts, top 250 draft pick. If he was your third catcher in a DC, and then you don't have to really worry about you know what he's going to do exactly. He's more of an insurance policy. That's what I'd prefer. I don't think he's going to get there in most drafts based on where he is going. But that would be what my preference is for Christian Vasquez, to not have to start him, start him here and there, maybe in a good matchup. But I'm, I'm not a big fan. I'm really not. <clears throat> Let's keep it going. Let's talk about Elias Diaz. Another guy, and again, this is kind of going to be a theme here for these last few players. I'm not a big fan of any of them, really. I don't think that there's that much. Well, there's one guy I like who's kind of blocked, but we'll talk about him in a minute. With Elias Diaz <clears throat> and a lot of these guys, it's simply because we need to rank them and we need to figure out where they're going to go exactly inside of this top 30. But it's not like I'm excited about any of these guys left, really. His main thing going for him is he plays at Coors Field. You know, he can give you 15-ish home runs. I mean, he only gave you nine this year, but 18 the year prior. Let's call it double-digit home runs. He can give you with all right counting stats and, you know, fairly mediocre batting average for a catcher. 228 this year, 246 the year prior. 
241, 235. He hit 286 in 2018 when he wasn't even playing at Coors Field, funny enough. I don't know, guys. I'm At this point, you're kind of just hoping for the best with your catchers. He's somebody who is fairly across the board mediocre. Defensively, he had a really good year in 2021. He had an awful year in 2022. He's still projected as a starting catcher in Colorado, and that is really the basis for this ranking. Uh, he is going, based on ADP, as the 27th catcher off the board. I don't think there's much of a difference having him at 24 here. There's a couple of guys we're going to talk about who are a little bit too high based on ADP, I think. But Elias Diaz, where he's going, I think it's fine. And I, I forgive me for not having much enthusiasm with these with the back end of these catchers. It's just there's not much to be excited about. There's really not that much production that you can hope for. I mean, maybe you get 15 home runs out of him, 100 runs plus RBIs, and he hits 250. You'd be ecstatic, but that's like best case scenario. What they're projecting is 10 home runs, 80 runs plus RBIs, one stolen base, which I don't know where they're projecting one stolen base from, and a 252 batting average. I think you'd be pretty, pretty happy with that. Like I said, the main reason that I have any interest in him at all is he plays in Coors Field. If he played for another team, I don't think that I would be terribly interested in him. But let's move on because there's not that much I can really say about Elias Diaz. He's fine. He's another second catcher. Nobody you need to be pushing up draft boards. He's okay as a catcher number two on your team. Next up, we have Bo Naylor. And I want to rank Bo Naylor higher. I really do. I really like him. I really like his skill set. He's a guy who was being talked about by Tim McLeod in Arizona a little bit, if memory serves. And he's really going to be a good catcher. The thing that kills me is that Mike Zanino is also there in Cleveland now. And he is projected to start the year on the bench. And, you know, I think that's probably what is going to happen, which is why I have him ranked where I do. I'd like to have him ranked a lot higher. He's number 22 based on ADP, which is not a huge difference. But I can't I can't have him that high not knowing what his role is going to be. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that he gets, you know, plays 100 or so games. He's projected for 58, and I think that that's probably going to be pretty close to accurate. His skill set is incredible. Home runs, steals, lots of walks, pretty solid batting average. Like, overall, if he does have regular playing time, and we know that, then he's going to be an incredible value where he's being drafted. But the fact that they brought in Mike Zanino, maybe it's just to have a veteran presence there, to somebody to back him up. I would imagine that they start with Zanino and that uh, Naylor becomes, you know, kind of a backup platoon guy. Maybe they do lefty-righty platoon. I don't know. But at this point, uh, he's lower than I want to have him ranked just because he is blocked. There's nobody ahead of him. We know for a fact that he's the starting catcher heading into the year. Then he's a top 20 catcher for me. He's maybe even a top 15 catcher for me. But as of right now, um, you know, like I said, we got the whole offseason still. Maybe well, We're about halfway through. But we got a couple months left still to adjust, and you know we'll we'll know. I think by the time spring training starts, they'll probably tip their hand one way or the other. I don't think we're going to be sitting there on opening day, you know, waiting for the lineup card to see if it's going to be Naylor or Zanino. I think we're going to know, but I don't expect the news to be that nice for people who have drafted Naylor, for people who are hoping to draft Naylor. I, I they've blocked him. They've blocked him unnecessarily. I think, and it's probably going to hinder him for fantasy this year. So that's why I have him ranked a little bit lower than I would. I've cared to at 25. Jose Trevino at 26 is the next up. Again, not much to really get excited about. I think that he is, I think he's fine. I think that he will have an opportunity to play most days. He should be the everyday catcher for the Yankees for the most part. Higashioka will get his opportunities as well. 
But I think you're probably going to see more of uh, Jose Trevino based on his play last season. He was an all-star last season, I believe. He played 115 games, 11 home runs. He had 39 runs scored, 43 ribbies. He stole two bases, and he hit 248. Very solid stuff from him. Now, compared to his previous years when he hadn't really been given that much of a role, he was better, but his numbers you know, were about what you would still expect given what he had done in 40 games, 25 games, 89 games in his career. You extrapolate that out a little bit over 115, and yeah, you know, there was no massive changes in percentages. The steals were nice. Maybe he can give you two or three steals. Maybe I need to put him a little bit higher. The more I think about it, I just don't have that much faith in his offensive ability. I think that he is okay. He can get some home runs based on the ballpark that he's in. But yeah, I, I can't maybe I maybe I should put him higher. I'll think about putting him higher for right now. I think that he's pretty fine as 26. Maybe he maybe he should be ahead of Bo Naylor because we know he's a little more certain in terms of his playing time. Um, yeah, maybe we will make that switch. We won't do it right here, right now, but that's probably something that I will do. We're still going through the process here. Nothing is set in stone just yet, which is why that's part of the reason why I like talking with you guys here on these podcasts, just to try and work through my thoughts a little bit here because you, know, you can sit around and look at stuff all day long. When you're actually speaking it out loud – it does give you a slightly different understanding of things. Like there's, I don't know. You see things from a different angle sometimes. Maybe Trevino, probably Trevino should be ahead of Bo Naylor, which, which is just painful for me to say. But based on what we have right now, uh, the information we have right now, I think that that's probably the way that it's going to work. Now, Trevino in that Yankees lineup, probably going to bat somewhere near the bottom. Wouldn't shock me if he's batting ninth like roster resource predicts. But, you know, the lineup flips over. You got Torres, you got Judge, you got Rizzo, you got Stanton. Should be some decent run opportunities for him there. I think that he's maybe I've maybe I've undervalued him a little bit here at 26. We'll reevaluate that, but for now, we'll we'll leave him here as number 26. Number 27, and I guess I should look at ADP and tell you where he's going. 28 based on ADP. Now, next guy we're going to talk about is Nick Fortes, and I can't for the life of me figure out why he's going at 23 in terms of his ADP here uh, for catchers for catcher ADP, mind you. I don't know what they're going to do in Miami. They have Jacob Stallings as a catcher there as well. He is projected to start. Maybe they do some kind of, um, you know, it wouldn't be a lefty-righty platoon. They're both righties, but some kind of platoon with those guys, with Fortes and Jacob Stallings. Fortes is the better, better player, better offensive player. But he's another guy where <clears throat> I can't put him up so high without knowing his role. And I think that's something that's kind of troubling in terms of his ADP. At 332, we don't. We don't know if he's going to start. We don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> if you go down to you know even one spot below him, Christian Betancourt at 24. A lot more certainty there. You get a second position to go along with him. Overall, I mean, I would much rather take Betancourt. Fortes, if he starts, if he gets a lot of playing time, there's a good chance that he could return very good value. I mean, we've seen it over his you know, small sample sizes in the majors he had nine home runs and five stolen bases with a 230 average in 72 games this past year. Maybe he does get more of a role. Maybe he doesn't. I just don't know how to project somebody like this who is blocked, essentially. And, you know, Stallings is not good. Jacob Stallings is, you know, just looking through all the catchers before I put my rankings together, looking at every team's catcher situation. Jacob Stallings is brutal. Like, he is not a good offensive catcher. He's not a particularly great defensive catcher. He's had, I mean, stretches in the past where he was good. 2019 and 2021, he was actually very good. This year, he returned negative value in terms of his catching defensive abilities. 
home runs are not going to be there with him. RBIs, stolen bases, batting, nothing. Like, he does nothing for you from a fantasy point of view. So, I mean, I know it's it's obviously very different, fantasy versus reality. But I think that they should start Fortes. Whether or not they do is a different question. We're going to do preview shows for every single team. We'll talk about, you know, different situations. We're gonna, I'm going to try and talk with Mike Curland about the Marlins. <clears throat> we'll send Mike a message just off the top of my head here thinking who I want to talk about the Marlins. He's probably the one. We'll see. You know, maybe we'll talk with some other people as well if we can. But I don't, I don't really expect there to be one clear-cut catcher in Miami, which is why I've kind of taken them both down. I mean, Stallings is nowhere to be seen in rankings. If I was doing a top 50, he probably would be. I'm kind of curious where he's going by ADP, actually. 41, yeah, that's probably about right. He is not good. It should be Fortes. It's just a matter of if it will be, which is you know that skepticism in my brain about who's going to be the starting catcher leads me to put Fortes down a few spots below his ADP. Let's move on to Austin Nola at number 28. Now, he's somebody who I feel is honestly a little bit underrated, and I think it's because he's been injured a lot. We haven't really seen a ton of Austin Nola. But heading into next year, he should be healthy. He's currently listed as the seven-hitter in that lineup, and this lineup is going to be filthy. Like, it's currently listed as Kim, Soto, Machado, Bogarts, Cronenworth, Matt Carpenter, and then Nola, Grisham, Adam Engel. You get Tatis back in that lineup – this team's going to be ridiculous. And while that might move Nola down a spot, maybe Kim goes down to the bottom of the order and everything else stays the same. I'm not sure. It should provide a decent little bit of value there for Austin Nola, assuming that he is able to be healthy. This year he played 110 games, 397 plate appearances, the most we've ever seen out of him. We saw 79 games as a rookie, and then 48, 56, 110. Always giving you good batting averages, hitting you a few home runs here and there. Not massive home run numbers. I mean, his best year in terms of that was as a rookie in Seattle where he hit 10 of them in 79 games. Maybe he can get back to that. I'm not banking on that. I would bank on him doing something probably like, you know, eight-ish home runs while he's giving you... I would imagine that 100 runs plus RBIs comes very easily to him this season in that lineup. I think that you're going to be looking at at least 50 runs, 50 RBIs, assuming he's healthy, and he's going to give you a good batting average. I don't think that you're going to see crazy high production from him, but I think there's still a decent chance that he is able to return positive value, especially from where he's being drafted. Like He's not somebody that people are that interested in. At 4-12, 31st catcher off the board, I think there is some value to be had in taking him where he – where he's going, first of all. But even if you take him as the 28th catcher, where I have him, I think that that's pretty reasonable. I think that he is somebody who can definitely return positive value. Like, if he was going by 28th as the 28th catcher based on ADP, that would be moving him up about 50, 60 picks. Even at that point, I would still be pretty comfortable with it, honestly. Like, I think that he is somebody where... The ceiling is not terribly high, but he's given you good batting average. He can give you double-digit home runs, potentially, steal you a couple of bases. He's not going to strike out a hell of a lot. Like I, I like a lot about what he does, and you know that lineup is going to be really good. And he'll not be somebody who is you know one of the massive pieces of it, but he'll be somebody who the, the trickle-down benefits will be there for Austin Nola. So no problem taking him at ADP, no problem taking him as the 28th catcher off the board. Next up, we got Omar Narvaez. And this is a tricky one as well in terms of the Mets situation and where to rank him, where to rank Francisco Alvarez. It's tricky. Now, I don't even think Francisco Alvarez is on. Maybe he's on the 40-man right now. I'm not even sure, actually. He's currently in, on the AAA roster. Actually, I'm not. yeah, I'm not sure if he's on the 40-man. I mean, you have to assume Alvarez will start the year with the team. 
But I'm pretty sure Narvaez is going to be their starting catcher. Like, I, I don't even think uh, Alvarez is going to start the year with catcher eligibility. And let me just see. I think he's going to be a util-only guy at this point. Let me see if I can... Let's see if we can search by just Mets. Mets, all positions, and let's see. He's going to pick 332. I don't know that I'm going to be taking him at pick 332. I mean, I don't know that I'd really prefer Narvaez that much more given the price. I mean, he's a lot cheaper. I just think that, well, first of all, there's the eligibility concerns. Second of all, Maybe they take a lot longer with, with Alvarez than we're hoping for. Maybe he's not somebody who plays as much as you know, we're expecting. He had 14 plate appearances last year. Maybe they don't bring him up for three months. Maybe they just let him sit around in the minors and they you know, try and get by with Narvaez. I, I think that that is definitely something that is possible. Narvaez was, a, was an all-star in 2021. He's not a massive offensive threat at all. But in 2021, he gave you 11 homers, 54 runs, 49 ribbies. He gave you 22 home runs in 2019, which was, of course, the juice ball year. This season, his offense did come crashing back down to earth a little bit. He ran a very low BABIP. He gave you low home runs. Only four home runs for him, which you know he's definitely capable of more than that. He drove in 23. He scored 21 himself. It was a really bad offensive year, and people are discrediting him. He's not a great he's not a great catcher. I should just say that right here. Not a great catcher. But overall, he's somebody I mean, defensively, he's better than offensively. I should say that. Not a great offensive catcher. But he runs pretty high babips for a catcher. 302 for the career. He only ran a 248 one this season. His ISO was under hundred, which typically it's it's a little bit over it. Not anything crazy, but one twenty eight. This year was sub one hundred. He is definitely due for a bit of a turnaround next year, specifically leaving that Milwaukee lineup and going to New York. Now, he'll be at the bottom of the lineup. No question about it. He should be in the nine hole, maybe the eight hole whenever he plays. Probably going to be in the nine hole. And he gets on base. He's got Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Lindor, Pete Alonso, maybe Carlos Correa, who the hell knows, to drive him in. So that's something that I'm looking at here. The team context is important to me with catchers. And I think with Narvaez there's a good chance that he's returning positive value on his draft slot. Like he is not somebody that people are that interested in 32nd overall catcher by ADP. I have a 29. I think that he is going to return some positive value, assuming that they take their time with Alvarez, which I am, I'm expecting that he's not going to come up right away. I think they'll give him a little bit of time and Arvaez will be somebody who has at the very least a couple of solid months, which should over bring up the entirety of the season for him. Uh, because you know, like we've, like we've talked about, catcher sucks. And I know there's the, the, the theme this year is that catcher is deep. It's deeper than ever before. It still sucks, okay? Like, there's still not two great catchers to be had on every team in a 15-teamer. It's just not. And, you know, second base is the same. Third base is the same. Catcher, catcher is worse than all those positions. I think, hands down, catcher sucks. So a guy like Narvaez, typically, you know, a 12-team, 10-team league is not going to interest you. But if you're playing in a two-catcher format, as a second catcher, he's somebody where I think that he will be able to return really good value, specifically because he's kind of an afterthought here at pick 435. One more catcher now, Joey Bart. He was the one where I had a hard time placing him because he's not very good. Truly, he's not very good. It's just a matter at this point of he's the best guy we have left. And I, I've held off on Alvarez and there's another catcher who I'm blanking on who will not have. It's Mitch Garver, and there's a couple of catchers who won't have eligibility to start the season. I haven't ranked them. If I was going to rank them, maybe they'd be in there, but I think you got to just rank the guys who you know for sure. There's too many unknowns throughout the course of a baseball season. 
Maybe a guy gets eligibility, maybe he doesn't. We're ranking the guys who have it right now. And I think that Joey Bart, as the 30th catcher, I think it makes sense. Even though he's going higher by ADP, he's going as the 26th catcher by ADP. And I realize we're essentially splitting hairs at this point when we're talking about, you know, he's the 28th catcher, he's the 26th catcher, he's the 24th catcher. They're all probably going to suck. That's just the way that it works at that point. But Joey Bart, man, I mean, everybody else below him, I don't have really any confidence in. We're talking about the guys who I haven't ranked here, Jan Gomes, Andy Rodriguez. You know, we don't know when Andy Rodriguez is going to be up. If he's going to start the year with the major league team, what's going to happen? Like, he's a guy who is very hard to rank. With Bart, at least we know he has the position. We know he's going to be the starting catcher. What we saw last year was not exactly the most comforting thing in the world. The guy... The guy I didn't even realize until I really started this exercise because I don't watch a ton of West Coast games living in Toronto. I'll watch here and there if there's a big matchup, you know, if there's the Dodgers are playing somebody and it's a big game, Dodgers-Braves, Dodgers-Mets or whatever. I'll stay up a little bit. I miss out on a lot of the West Coast stuff just based on being an East Coast guy. I didn't realize that Joey Bart struck out almost 40% of the time last year. 38.5% strikeout rate. Just atrocious. Like, I know that... He's always been a guy who strikes out a decent little bit, even in the minor leagues, like 2021, uh, 67 AAA games. He struck out 30% of the time. But for that to go to almost 40, that worries me. Like, I like the lineup in San Francisco. I think it's going to be pretty good, even without Correa, even without Judge. You know, I think despite all that bullshit, the team is still going to be pretty, pretty okay. Offensively, they should be fine. His home runs will be there. The counting stats should be roughly there, and he'll steal you a couple bases. But my God, those strikeouts and the fairly low batting average that'll come with it definitely put me off of him a little bit 38 and a half percent and you know there might have been somebody else we talked about today who struck out that much but it just really struck me with Joey Bart like I didn't expect it to be anywhere near that high honestly like I thought he'd be closer to what he was in the minors like 30 when you're adding eight and a half points out of that though it's it does make it difficult in that big ballpark he still has power and he'll still get better like we're still talking about a 20 he just turned 26 last month he'll get better but, man, like, uh, I can't see the argument for taking him at 26. Even ahead of Jose Trevino, ahead of Austin Nola, I, I can't see the argument for it. And you want to argue, like, over Narvaez or something? Sure. I'll take that argument. If you want to argue even a couple other guys who I didn't rank, maybe you could make that argument. You, you could make that argument. But, man, like, he is not somebody – like, I thought the trajectory would be a little bit different for Joey Bart considering all the hype that was around him how good he was in the minors. And I think maybe part of it is that he's replacing Buster Posey in, in our heads. We're thinking, you know, he's got to be as good as Buster Posey or he's <clears throat> he's got to fill the shoes of Buster Posey at least. He hasn't done that yet. Maybe we're still expecting that he will, and maybe he will. I think as the 30th catcher, that's, that's as, absolutely as high as I feel comfortable ranking him. And like I said, these rankings will move around a little bit. These are not set in stone. It's part of the reason why I didn't put them out in writing yet. I mean, they're in the show notes, I guess. But I'm not writing articles, as, and I'm, I apologize because I, I was going to. But with the, you know, the idea for the draft guide that we have and the thought of wanting to put all of that content out at once or all within a very you know, short time frame together, within a week or so, I don't want to be putting out a rankings for anybody right now and then having to drastically change them like things are going to change here but i want them to be first of all fairly similar when we start the year to what you guys last see they'll be updated but i don't want there to be massive massive differences and i also don't want there to be 
I'm having trouble finding the right way to describe this. I, I don't want there to be a disconnect. I want there to be... God, I'm having trouble finding my words to describe this. I want it to be good for you guys. I'm, essentially, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can here behind the scenes to try and make this a proper draft guide so that it all comes out around the same time, so that the rankings all make sense, so that we're not you know, quoting rankings from two months prior in them or something like that. We're going to be trying to give you the best product that we possibly can here. And I think that part of that is holding off on them a little bit, not even necessarily to tinker with them, but just so that all of it comes out at once. And it's this is our draft guide, not Joe's article from three weeks ago, and there was a Michael Fisher article from six weeks ago. And this, I want to be a little more organized than that. And, you know, this is like I've told you guys, you guys know this, is my first year doing content. So I'm still trying to figure out how this all works, essentially. Like, I'm the head of baseball here at Sports Ethos. I'm the one who's figuring out how this is going to work. And it's it's been a lot of work, honestly, trying to plan out the draft guide, plan out the content. And I'm, I'm doing my best for you guys. And for that reason, uh, I'm going to apologize for not putting the rankings out on the website. They're still available. We still talked well, between Friday and today, an hour and a half more so than that about catchers. So I hope that it is okay with you guys. Let me know what you think down in the comments over on Twitter wherever it is that you want to let us know what you think of the rankings, what you think of the episodes of the show in general. Uh, you guys can let me know at Joe Orico 99 at J O E O R R I C O 99. Haven't spelled it out in a while. Also go check out ethos fantasy BB. Like I said off the top, that is where all of our new content will be released from podcast articles. Everything that we do on the baseball side is at ethos fantasy BB. So guys, it's our longest solo show we've done in a while. Ranking shows will probably tend to go closer to an hour than half an hour. As we get back into you know regular season mode as we're approaching it, I think it's 37 days until pitchers and catchers report, we're going to start doing longer episodes, hour-long episodes again, and we'll start bringing on guests every single week. So I hope you guys are subscribed to the pod. Let us know what you think down below. And we will see you again tomorrow. Guys, take care. Cheers.